Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, the senior editor at BreastCancer.org. Our guest today is Dr. Jennifer Litton, board-certified medical oncologist and associate professor of breast medical oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston. She's also chief of the section of clinical research and drug development for breast cancer and a member of the Breast Immuno-Oncology Task Force of the National Cancer Institute. Today, she's going to talk to us about immunotherapy for breast cancer. Dr. Litton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for the invitation to talk about immunotherapy and breast cancer today. To start, we get a lot of questions about immunotherapy to our website. I think a lot of people are seeing the news stories, they're seeing all the commercials, especially for Keytruda, and how uh, amazing these things work. And there's a lot of questions about immunotherapy to treat breast cancer. So to start, can you just talk to us generally about how does immunotherapy work and why is this such a big deal? Sure. So I think immunotherapy right now is a very broad term for just using the immune system to, to find and attack and battle um, the cancer. And I certainly understand, you know, we see those commercials all the time and these drugs like um, that are out there and are, are FDA approved for several cancers, I really do believe have been absolutely game-changing for a lot of cancer patients. Now, one of the things you'll notice is that the cancers that they're actually approved for are ones that have a lot of differences than breast cancer. If you look at, I mean, they've been absolutely game-changing for things like melanoma, and some lung cancers and other cancers that are coming forward, even some of the colon cancers and kidney cancers. If we take melanoma, for example, so melanoma is, when we look at the scale of how how much DNA damage is in different tumors, melanoma is really at one of the top of the scales. Like what, it has such a a high burden of mutations within each and every tumor, that if you look at those tumors, they tend to have a lot of immune cells that are really kind of just sitting in the middle of the tumors. And now what these drugs, and I'm going to really say these are some of the first generation, because what's coming through, I think I'm I'm equally um, have a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about. But these drugs, the ones you're seeing on TV, what they do is you can imagine these tumors have found a way to live with immune cells just sitting in them but not eating the tumor cells. And what these new drugs do is all of a sudden kind of take off the mask of the tumor cells and those immune cells, those T cells that are just sitting in the tumor, just start to attack the tumor that it's sitting in. These tumors get really smart. They find different ways to blockade, you know, I, I do have a, a young son, and when I'm talking to about patients, I kind of talk about Harry Potter, and I talk about the cloak of invisibility, and these tumors find a way to do that, and this is really ripping them off. And I think patients get that when we when we kind of talk about that. So those tumors tend to have already in them a ton of immune cells. Now, the problem with breast cancer, when we look at that whole list of kind of how much DNA damage, breast cancer is not at that top tier. It's really kind of in the bottom half of tumors. And a lot of breast cancers um, are very, uh, you know, when you look at the tumors, they don't have a lot of immune cells that are just sitting there ready to be affected. So if you give those 
um, immunotherapies and there's no T cells or immune cells just sitting in the tumor ready to attack, then giving the immunotherapies really don't make a difference because it doesn't allow them, it, it takes the attack signal off, but there's nothing there to do anything about it. Now, we also know that breast cancer is not a disease in and of itself. It's just so many different subtypes and subtypes of subtypes. And we are noticing that some of the tumors, such as some of the triple negative breast cancers, some of the HER2 positive tumors tend to have um, a higher percentage, although we're talking still low numbers of having immune cells just sitting in the tumor. And that's why a lot of the early trials in breast cancer using those similar drugs are really focusing on using those in, in those subtypes of breast cancer. And the early studies, I think, show, not surprisingly, that for the vast majority of patients, the immunotherapy really didn't have a huge impact. But why do people start to get a hint of excitement? Because in some of the early trials for those patients who did have a response, they had what we saw in melanoma is a very durable response, a very long response, still going response. And so that's absolutely what we're going for. So I will say in breast cancer right now, the use of single agent of these immunotherapies that are currently FDA approved, I don't think has as much excitement as they would for other types of tumors. So how do we augment that? How do we bring more of the immune cells sitting into the tumor so that they can really start to attack the tumors where they are in the body? And that's where all the new clinical trials, research, and new agents are going. And you're going to see things like the addition of radiation or combining immuno-oncology agents, one that kind of brings those immune cells in and then allows them to attack the tumor. Or can we use things like vaccines? Uh, Can we use other ways of trying to spur the tumor into becoming its own, you know, almost a beginning of the immune response and then letting it go to the other sites within the body? So it's the amount of DNA damage in a cancer that makes the... the Yeah, I... I think that's part of it. I'm just wondering, like, why why don't all cancers have high level of immune cells in them? Do I mean, do we know? I think it's a lot of complicated of how the cells talk to the non-tumor cells that we're still really trying to learn. It's not just all about the tumor cells, but it's also the, I'd say, the tumor bed and all the other cells and how they talk talk to the tumor cells, and there's so much research going on right now to understand, you know, that whole, um, the whole conversation that the tumor cells are having with the rest of the body, either locally and distant. And so, unfortunately, it is not a very clear cut. We can just shove a T cell in there, and it will work, because, you know, we would do that, and we would try that. But it's, are we also bringing in the right ones? Are we bringing in the right ones that when we give the attack signal, they actually do what we want them to do and do they, you know, spare the other cells around that, you know, we need to keep healthy? So it's a very complicated um, um, question on how to get that done. And I think the next round of trials, if people want to 
participate, I think it's going to be very important that these trials not only have the new agents or the new interventions, but also have associated biopsy and blood so that we can make sure that we're doing what we're hoping doing in those tumors. Okay, thank you. That's a helpful explanation. And one thing I've always wondered too, I understand that it's better if the immune cells are in the tumor and then when they're activated, they're already there and they can attack. But I guess I've, I've always wondered if um, an immunotherapy is going to rev up the immune system and rev up these cells. There are immune cells in other places in the body. And how come that does, how come then they don't go and attack the tumor? Or is that not the way immunotherapy works? I, I don't know. No, it it does. I mean, if you look at the side effects, those are the biggest side effects is that, you know, you start to get inflammation in other parts of the body where you're not wanting to get inflammation, the lungs, the thyroid, the liver, skin, the gut, you know, so, so that is always, you know, we could just rev up the immune system and let it go, but that would be a horrible thing. Like there has to be checks and balances all across there and there has to be uh, or certainly what's searching for is to try to get it as targeted for the tumor and not for the rest of the body. And that's, it's a balance. And, and that's why you can't just rev up the immune system without having the appropriate stops. So how do you take the stops off just with the tumor cells and keep the stops on with good and healthy tissue? And that's a bit of the yin and the yang, I suppose. Thank you. That's helpful. Speaking of being very targeted, um, some researchers have explained to me that targeted therapy medicines like Herceptin, Pergetta, Cadsyla, those are also considered immunotherapies. And can you help me understand why that is? I like to say in breast cancer, I know that the last decade everyone's been talking about targeted therapy and immunotherapy, and I've been, you know, breast cancer, they've targeted therapy such as the estrogen receptor and immunotherapy. We've been doing it for decades. Um, so, you know, I think that when we look at things like Herceptin specifically, because the rest are really based on that, you know, it was always meant to be, you know, the vehicle to get us to the targeted area. And that's why something like Cadsyla, where you actually use the vehicle and then deliver the very toxic chemical directly inside of the HER2 positive cell is exciting. But we really realized that the Herceptin itself also had, you know, immunotherapy properties. Um, You know, I think one of the best ways to explain it or maybe not even explain it, but that you can really kind of see that is if we look at the Cleopatra data, which was taxotere, trastuzumab, and pertuzumab, and we saw the progression-free survival that was you know, clearly better with the addition of the triplet, but we look at the overall survival data, and you know it's so far surpassed what you would expect from just the progression-free survival. And I think you know we, we underestimate how much of the antibody-directed um, um, attack that these these um, monoclonal antibodies can have. So although they do have some direct signaling, I think that we're also seeing the antibody um, do uh, its immunotherapy killing on the backside as well. Immunotherapy isn't quite ready for prime time for breast cancer yet. 
it's, you know, the studies are ongoing. Can you kind of give us a sense of where we are now and kind of where it's headed? I know you mentioned maybe using some combinations, either with radiation or with a vaccine. So where, where, where are we going with all this? So I think you're going to see several trials coming forward where they're um, adding chemotherapy to try to also, you know, if you have cell death, that that releases antigens. Um, with the immune therapy, and I think that's um, something very promising to look at. The use of radiation has been especially interesting um, in other tumor types and, you know, um, evaluating in in breast as well, and I think many trials are going to be looking at how best to do that, and not only just the combination, but how should the radiation be given? Should it be a more directed dose, a scattered dose, a lower and, and there'll be a lot of ways to be asking that question. You might see things that are directly injected into the tumor. You may see things that um, um, different ways of trying to get the immune uh, response started and then taking advantage of it with some of these checkpoint immune checkpoint inhibitors. The immune checkpoint inhibitors, that's something like a Keytruda where they're actually taking the breaks off the the immune cells that are in the tumor. Is that right? Exactly. Dr. Litton, thank you so much. This has been very helpful. We are going to keep checking in with immunotherapy and keep everybody updated on the latest and greatest. Thank you so much. Please do. I expect that with every year, we're going to see new studies trying to um, enhance its use in breast cancer.